Dad, how you doing? I am well. As always, you can text us 971-220-5979. Let us get started. We're not with the we're show. not even gonna have the intro. I and now it's time for News with My Dad, a show where we talk about the news with my dad. And on the phone, irascible already, playing the role of my dad is in fact my dad, Joe Smith, star of our show. Pop, how you doing? I'm not a rational. I'm a traditionalist. <laughs> this is a show we talk about the news. We try to talk about the important stuff. Sometimes we talk about the unimportant stuff. When it's unimportant, we try to say so. We take turns. Dad typically takes the first turn. Pop, do you have a shout out? I have a shout out. I am shouting out for the clear winner of last Thursday night's presidential debate. The absolutely clear winner was Kirsten Welker, who conducted the debate. She was aided somewhat by the the hot mic or the the cold mic rule, but nonetheless, she was the winner. Well, Pop, the Senate has voted to end the Democratic filibuster, advancing Amy Coney Barrett's Supreme Court confirmation. That vote is likely to take place today, making it the fastest justice confirmation process in modern history. Fifty-three senators required, or excuse me, there are 53 Republican senators. They need 51 votes. The vote they, only, they only need 40 if, they only need 50 if, if Pence, as is expected, ignores the recommendations of all the experts to quarantine himself because he has clearly been exposed to covid takes the takes the chair the vote to break the filibuster was 51 to 49 susan collins and lisa murkowski were the two republican senators who joined with every democrat collins is expected to vote no on barrett's confirmation she's expressed it too close to election day to consider a nominee that was that was the view of the that was the view of the entirety of the republican Senate in the last confirmation proposed by a Democratic president in an election year. And, Dad, now your turn. She, she was obviously got permission from McConnell to because she's in such a tight race, and, and that's a, a way that she can claim independence. And I guarantee you, if, there, if, she, if her vote was needed, her vote would be there. And Murkowski voted against having the vote, but Murkowski is going to vote for confirmation. So that's that. The debate now will move to what should happen with respect to the court. Joe Biden has said what should happen is a Blue Ribbon Commission to evaluate what the court ought to be. Most of what is what turns on the election includes what's going to happen with the court. And I would suggest most of the debate about what will happen to the court will be determined this coming Tuesday. Yep. Dad, Pope Francis has announced Wilton Gregory as the United States' first African-American cardinal. Along with eight other cardinals that he has nominated, in which he, he has just been gradually reforming the, the College of Cardinals. And he's, when he leaves, there's going to be there's somebody most likely to be appointed will be someone who continues in his footsteps because of the cardinal the cardinals he's been appointing. He also came out and expressed support for same-sex civil unions. Say, did you caught that story? I'm sure. Yeah, as a matter of fact, we reported on it briefly. I, I, 
either we did or I intended to report on it last Thursday. We had so little time last Thursday, I may not have got to it. I, I heard that little dig. I heard the little dig. The appeals court has found well, Uber and Lyft must reclassify drivers as employees. Uh, let me say again. Appeals court has found that Uber and Lyft must reclassify drivers as employees after months-long legal battle. The California appeals court has ordered the companies to reclassify their independent contractors as employees. The state argued that maintaining independent contract, strat- contractor status, excuse me, deprives them of benefits like paid sick leave, minimum wage, overtime, and health care. Additionally, Uber and Lyft were acting against a law that passed January 1st, known as the Assemble, Assembly Bill 5. This which is one thing. I'm going to ask you even a question, even. It's going to be great. That's something even the X-ray is messing with, uh, working through, is figuring out how do we make sure we do it properly and classify folks correctly. So I, I, I understand this law better than, you know, I did probably right before I took the bar exam until then. Uh, Dad, yeah, what's your what are your comments here? Well, the interesting thing is that this that the ruling of the court may be rendered moot a week from tomorrow if the if the initiative that Lyft and Uber are supporting and have poured in all kinds of money passes, which they are saying is to benefit the drivers, which is a pile of crap. But we'll we'll have to see. The yeah AB five. This is California ordering the companies to reclassify their workers. AB five restricts how many people can work for the companies. Is it more important for them to access the uh, the dough? Are there other options? Dad, uh, other national news you're tracking? Well, wh- while we're talking about elections, uh, there's and something that I think is worth noting: Florida, which is getting a lot of attention because of the presidential race also has something of potential huge significance on this ballot, and that's a vote to establish a $15 per hour minimum wage. It would be moved in slowly. It would take six years to get there all the way to $15, and then after that, the law provides that there would be a COLA, so it would go up every year or down every year according to whatever change there might be in the in inflation but that that is an interesting thing and there there's huge turnouts just huge turnouts everywhere and an interesting thing the uh, rural Oregon is reporting all kinds of paranoia the Morrow County clerk Bobby Childers says that there an amazing number of people who are expressing fear that their vote is not going to be counted that if they've if they've she's been asked if if I didn't use my middle initial or my middle name will it be counted if if uh, if I didn't fill out the whole vote if if I didn't fill out the whole ballot will it be counted just just huge uh, national election news the New Hampshire Union leader has not uh, endorsed a Democratic candidate for president in over 100 years. Well, even they can't stomach DDT. And they have the New Hampshire Union leader for the first time in over a century is endorsing Joe Biden. But the Electoral College still really, really threatens a replace a re-election of DDT. The the Trafalgar poll that predicted four years ago that Trump was going to win uh, 
has said there's still a real chance. So, so and by the way, something I did not fully, I, I was reminded of actually, do you know why the first Thursday in November is the day national elections are held? My impression it was the first Tuesday after the first Monday, not Thursday. Did, did I say Thursday? I meant Tuesday. It's all right. But, but, so, but my question is, do you know why they chose it? I don't remember. I think I did know at some point, but if I were going to guess, it'd have something to do with transportation, but no, why? Nope, it had to do with agriculture, because the assumption was that the crops would all be in by then, and so then they could they could find time to travel, and why did they choose Tuesday? Well, that transportation was part of it, but they didn't choose Sunday, because back in those days... Everybody was expected to go to church and stay home. And so voting on Sunday would be some kind of a sacrilege. But I'm hoping that I'm hoping that the move to move the election to Sunday takes off because it doesn't make sense to be voting on a Tuesday. Well, I'll just give I'm just going to give an optimistic, almost Pollyanna view about what's happening in the country right now. I think that the move to vote by mail is while unfortunately become more partisan. It was a has been a bipartisan consensus here in Oregon. It should be a bipartisan effort to expand access to the franchise to make it easier and more secure for people to cast their ballot. I still think there are gonna be so many people now who are getting used to it, so many more early voters that it's going to I think it's going to have a stronger trajectory going forward. I think there's going to be more urging for early voting, more people asking for absentee ballots in the future once they start getting used to it. And I hope that people adopt the Oregon plan for automatic voter registration, for online voter registration, for vote by mail. And I hope they improve upon the Oregon plan by allowing for voter registration closer to the day, and I would argue up to and including the day of final election. That that should be allowed to, a person should be allowed to, oh, wait a minute, it's election day? I better go and make sure I vote and make sure they have my contact information. We're not trying to stop people from voting. We're just trying to make sure they're actually people who are voting, and we can do that. That's not that hard in the modern world. So, Dad, the any other big things you're tracking? Any other big things that you're tracking in the election? Does that mean I can't comment on what you just said? Go ahead. I'm just trying to. We had a little meeting, and we're just trying to get it where there's actually some semblance of order on the show, some <laughs> semblance of like I try to finish a statement or like kick it over to you intentionally, and then you know, we won't always do what I say. That's okay, but we're just trying to you know sort of take turns kind of deal. But yeah, go ahead. What, what well, further I, comment? Yeah, I just I just want to point out that there it may not be a conflict, but there is sort of a paradox between advocating for universal mail by voting and advocating for day election day uh, registration because obviously if you register on election day well I guess I guess you could say that postmark was the was the magic no you just wouldn't vote it's not universal vote by mail is not exclusive like my argument is universal universal vote by mail is not the same as exclusive vote by mail so if somebody you'd mail out ballots but if somebody didn't get a ballot they could show up on election day before that'd be better at a voting center and say hey I didn't get a ballot I'd like to register I want to make sure I get in that system and then they wouldn't mail them a ballot they'd hand them a ballot right there and then they'd vote Right, which means which means you would not do away with the need for polling places for people to go. The exactly. Places, there could be Both two and. of them, and, and uh, there would not be a great 
press. But anyway. But not, and not. I mean, I think this is a, it's a really important distinction. I think that where Oregon gets it wrong, and I think we have one of the best voting systems in the country. And in fact, there is another state that I think has us clearly licked. But the one way we can make ours better is if we did have voting centers and not just at the elections office, more voting centers that did allow for live voting in addition to vote by mail. Sure. So you allow more loads, more roads to lead to Rome. That other election items you're tracking. Yes, there is. There, well, it's, it's, it's not as tracking as happened to, to just demonstrate the the conservatives willingness to restrict voting is the is the supreme court the scotus ruling last week 5 to 3 in the where the alabama secretary of state where alabama has no law respecting curbside voting and there were counties that were allowing curbside voting that is somebody who was who was infirm or who was concerned about being uh, subject to COVID exposure or had a COVID test and didn't want to expose others, could pull up and they, they would come out and give them their ballot and return their ballot. And the Secretary of State said, no, no, we're not going to allow that. In the absence of any Alabama law, Supreme Court decided the Secretary of State could do that and could tell county clerks, which supposedly were supposed to manage the local elections, they were not allowed to do that. Yeah, another thing that I want to track that I know it's a it's a local election. We should be get into that because that's where we can really add value. I talked to Josh Marquis this morning. He's the former Clatsop County. I embarrassingly called him former Tillamook County. But right, former, I listened to a good part of it. Yeah, former Clatsop County District Attorney. You know Joshua. Uh, the uh, do you have do you have any counter to what he had to say? His argument was that measures at one ten. That's the decriminalization of drugs measure. They're calling a drug treatment measure. That, by the way, on the air was my one of his quibbles was one of his strong counter arguments. Is one of my quibbles is this bill is a drug treatment measure, but it actually doesn't get any more money for drug treatment. Uh, it really is a drug tr- decriminalization measure. And I remember when there were all kinds of right wing ballot measures that would get people to vote for them because they had clever ballot titles, and they used to drive me nuts there. And it got my spidey sense tingling. This time too but he went hard after do you have a strong view on measure 110 are you sort of conflicted i'll say i'm sort of conflicted i am conflicted i i do not have a strong view i will i will confess i'm about to break my rule that i don't tell people how i voted i'm confessed that i voted for it but it was a close it was a close question for me but uh, but generally we just i think have to realize that criminalizing the ingestion of something really has not worked. The classic example, of course, was prohibition. The prohibition brought organized crime to the United States. And and when I was district attorney, back when Josh was still in school, the studies showed that virtually every organized crime organization in the United States, including little organizations in little counties in Oregon, could be traced back to prohibition. By the way, the studio line to become a member of X-Ray, 503-233-9729, 503 503- 
833-933-9729 is also a place where you could share your view. And I am curious because a human being will answer and they'll communicate directly with us. 503-233-9729. I'd be curious, dear listener, if you're conflicted about 110, if you think it's an easy call, you, you think it's an easy call one way or another, but that's the one, that's the decriminalization of drugs measure. And it's uh, and I, there's a lot of things I think that our listeners have found an easier time deciding on. But I know that there have been a split among our listeners on this one. Uh, John Kitzhaber, for instance, is also joins Josh Marquis in opposing it uh, and says that and his key argument is no, people aren't going to jail. This is Marquis' argument also on this part. People aren't going to jail for simple possession in Oregon. We have one of the more lenient, uh, the most lenient drug laws and drug enforcement in the country. But it does put the stick of government authority to force people who are addicted to methane and heroin into treatment. That this might reduce treatment rather than expand it. So the I just want to make sure people hear, hear both views. But more importantly, would love to hear yours. 503 503- Two three three nine seven two nine five zero three two three three nine seven two nine. If you want to become an X-ray member, it would sure be a great time to do it. Dad, why should people become an X-ray member or boost their pledge? Because without that, this station would not exist. Because one of the reasons that when you contribute to X-ray.fm to KXRY, you get a you get to deduct the cost off your taxes is because we are a 501c3 organization and what does that mean that means that we cannot be operated for profit what does that mean that means that we cannot sell advertising now there's there are great advantages to not having not selling advertising because whenever you sell advertising they're inevitably inevitably is pressure, sometimes tacit, sometimes quite overt, from your advertisers as to what you are going to have in your con- in your content, what you are going to say on the air. For if if we were if we were existing this program, News with My Dad were existing, because advertising were paying for it, you can bet that those advertisers might cavil at some of the things that we have to say and when they do that that might influence what we have to say in other words it has a direct effect upon the potential independence of the station and one of the reasons that x-ray.fm has for the last five years been rated the best radio station in portland is because we are truly independent I, I appreciate those kind words there. And I, and I don't, I mean, in so many respects, I don't think we're the best radio station in Portland. I think it's some, but the, we're certainly the one that I root for the most, the one that I think is trying to figure it out. And one of the main things we're up against right now, and that it's been sort of a pride-swallowing siege for the past seven years. We've been on the air for, what, six and a half now? And the, which it feels like forever, but it also feels like about six weeks uh, is trying to move from uh, to still be a volunteer-driven enterprise, but move from you know there are a couple other low-power stations started up around the same time and and trying to move from being just a and this is not a knock at that but being just a volunteer-driven station but still being a volunteer-driven station but that actually also can pay living wages that actually also can grow into an organization at scale that has been terrifically hard terrifically stressful 
but it's also meaningful. We can have another institution in this town that can add to the conversation, that can support creativity, that can amplify voices that otherwise you wouldn't have a chance to hear. That is a hugely valuable investment for this town, and it has been one of the bright spots in Portland. When people have hearkened back to old Portland and things that they miss, one of the things that people have said to us they love about new Portland feels like even the best parts of not just racist Portland's history is in fact X-Ray. And you, the X-Ray member, have made that possible. You have made it possible to try to grow this organization, to get it to turn, to start to develop into, as we go through a reorganization and restructuring, is to help it grow into an organization or a, a small family of independent radio stations and media organizations that actually can sustain life, that actually somebody can work at it for more than a year or two, that somebody can actually imagine being able to pay a mortgage with the thing. Nobody's doing this to get rich, to be clear, but we can build this institution that lasts and takes care of the community and takes care of its people and you can help us do that if you can become a member at 20 bucks a month 15 bucks a month whatever you can do if you can call 503-233-9729 that's 503-233-X-Ray I'll say it one more time 503-233-9729 it would sure be a wonderful thing pop Let's let's stick with local for a moment. Let's stick with the local races. I interviewed Kim Thatcher. We've of course interviewed Shamia Fagan. I know them both. The I know you know I have a you know sort of a sense on your view. Uh, another race that we've been tracking a little bit, but you and I haven't talked about it a whole lot. Is Alex Scarlatos running against Peter DeFazio? You're tracking. I think you're uh, pretty aware of this this race at this point, yeah. I am very aware, and I have been receiving email requests for money from both of them. And Alex has, in the last 48 hours, twice emailed me saying that he was out of money. And I don't know how he can be out of money when apparently he has been given by national organizations over three million bucks to run in in the, the southern Oregon, southwestern Oregon district, where... The I know the cost of TV advertising, the cost of radio advertising is probably in, close to an order of magnitude lower than it is in the Portland metropolitan area, how he can be out of money. And I suspect that he's just lying to try to get my money. But, uh, but the fact of all that money does have people thinking maybe there's really a con- competitive race there. We'll have to see. I sure hope not, because here, here is a guy who is opposed to the concept of a minimum wage, doesn't think there should be a minimum wage. Holy cow. In 2020, there's somebody who is possibly considered as a viable candidate for the United States Congress who doesn't think there should be a minimum wage blows my mind. The kid has some some strong attacks on, I say kid, he's 28 years old, he's not a kid, but he's young for a congressional candidate. And it is his first, it's not his first time running. You ran for, I think it was Douglas County Commission and didn't win, uh, but now running for Congress. And he was, his big claim to fame was that he was part of foiling a train attack in France from a would-be terrorist. And and I will say thank you for doing that. Uh, the question is whether that makes him somebody who ought to be in Congress. Uh, he is, and that is help using the, you know, getting access to the Trump network to raise a whole lot of money. And yeah, I think he raised over $2 million in just the last quarter. 
significantly outraising Peter DeFazio. Peter DeFazio has been in Congress for 34 years. Scarlatis used that, uses that as an argument to get rid of him. His line is, listen, this guy's been in Congress longer than I've been alive. He's driven our district into the ground. To be clear, the congressional representative of that district doesn't really lead the district. They do uh, have, and, and what's interesting about the district, so people understand, is it does include Roseburg. It includes lots of rural Oregon. And what keeps it, and, the, and DeFazio has a lot of votes across the district. But, of course, a lot of those areas were, are Trump counties. What aren't Trump counties are Corvallis and Eugene. And Corvallis and Eugene are what keep, the, uh, keep Peter DeFazio with relatively healthy winning margins, even though it is somewhat, in registration advantage, a pretty close district. Republicans are seeing some type of chance that, in terms of your prediction, how do you sort, and I know you hate predictions, but do you, do you want to offer one in this case? you have any, or even just impressions of the dynamics of how it could play out? I, I, I really do not have, I, I would, it would be foolish of me to make a prediction because I don't pretend to have any inside information, and, and I haven't been down there so that I haven't pressed the flesh, or since you don't press the flesh, you bump elbows now with folks to hear what they have to say. My <clears throat> my hope and my inclination is that the folks re- recognize what a stupid thing it would be to not reelect DeFazio simply because of the influence, the influence that he brings to the state of Oregon because of his senior position. Uh, he he chairs. He, he now has a very very important chairmanship in Congress, and as as long as the Democrats control the House, will continue to have that influence. It means he has, when, when he calls the Speaker, the Speaker picks up the phone and answers, or if she can't answer immediately, calls back. He knows that he has access. Uh, if, uh, if Joe Biden is elected to the, the presidency, that is somebody that Biden will need as a significant party chair to get stuff that the president wants and the president is going to answer his phone calls just really really stupid not to return him dad you know whose birthday it is today whose birthday it is today yeah you know whose birthday it is today no it's ben fain's birthday oh it is ben fain's birthday that's right I have that in my planner, and and so I would have been t- calling you later today to call because we got to call and sing to him. Ben Fain, bus driver, excelente, por ejemplo, terrific bus driver, without whom the bus project might not have had this, this quite remarkable success that it had. It needed somebody to drive the bus. And we were having these meetings. Hey, wouldn't it be neat to take this bus around the state and, you know, try to knock on doors and try to turn what was that might, might seem crazy now. But at that point, it had been over a decade of Republican leadership in the Oregon legislature. And the uh, and I said, wouldn't it be great if we went around and you know knocked on some number of thousands of doors in the closest district and turned those close uh, closely lost districts and a closely won Democrat, uh, closely won districts and shift the power in the legislature? And the uh, uh, and one of the people, Aaron Imlaw, in the meeting said, "You know, my 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 uncle Ben is a uh, my uncle Ben's a retired bus driver, and Ben was he was just a retired bus driver, 
And let me tell you, Ben Fain got uh, got engaged, and he ended up driving for just about every bus. I should ask him how many times he drove that bus. Holy mackerel. Uh, and I just posted a happy birthday to Ben. Maybe we should even call him and wish him happy birthday on the air. If you have anybody you want to shout out, you can call the studio line. It's also a great place to make a gift. I know it's cold, but a way to warm the cockles, 503-233-9729, 503 503- Two three three X-ray. This is a time we really need to get. Oh, looks like we just got one. Thank you very much. But we need another one. We are trying to get to. It'd be nice to get to forty-two, but we at least need to get to forty-one-five by the end, or shoot forty-two-five by the end of this. Uh, by the end of this program. And if we could get that in the next few minutes, we can get some progress towards that in the next few minutes. If you could make a gift in the next few minutes, that would sure be terrific. 503-233-9729. 503-233-9729. Two three three X-ray. The next giver, the next member, will put us at forty-two grand for the drive, which is good progress. And so, so please do help us get there by going. You can also go online, X-ray.fm, clicking the blue donate button. Here's my take, Dad, on the Defazio race. I think. Oh, we've got uh, we got a text in. Thank you for that text. Recently drove Highway thirty-six Cheshire to Florence. Only saw Defazio signs. Well, thank you very much. Yeah, I'll tell you what. I think it is. I think here's the dynamic that I see in the race is that three months ago, five months ago, and I would have people ask me, hey, you know, how should we be investing in these races? What's and uh, and the answer I would give and I would ask around, you know, I don't have all the information, but I can ask around. And the answer I would get was everybody's going to be fine. Defazio is the only one who might have a race. Everybody else, you know, is probably the incumbent's going to win. Defazio might have a race. Because even then, Scarlatus has started raising a bunch of grassroots money. I think what's happened is when he raised over $2 million in a quarter, I think everybody went zoinks and said they ought, to, they ought to sort of get engaged in that. And the Cook Report changed it from a likely Democratic to a leaning Democratic, named it a more close seat. Cook Report is a prognosticator and evaluator of congressional races. Cook Political Report. And, and I think that Defazio, if there is a, a, particularly if there is a wave, a blue wave election year, I think Defazio probably pulls it out and he's probably all right. But the, uh, but it's, but it's much closer than a 34 year member of Congress would expect. But by the way, this is what happens, right? It, when, when you see a long time incumbent lose, it usually has a few dynamics. Okay. And, and dad, actually, let me turn it over to you. What are time? Bob Duncan comes to mind losing to Ron Wyden. Any other examples of of sort of surprising defeats by of defeats of longtime members of Congress in particular, or it could be or it could be other statewide elected officials? Well, the the biggest single thing is the actual or at least appearance of having lost touch with your district, and, and that was that was certainly Bob Duncan's problem. He, he was so confident that he didn't need to worry about Ron Wyden, that he didn't spend a whole lot of time campaigning, that he wasn't out pressing the flesh, he wasn't developing a ground game. The, my, my old boss, Al Ullman, who was the chair of the Ways and Means Committee, which is one of the two most powerful committees on the, on, on the at least the House side of the Hill, that and appropriations are the two most powerful committees, and nonetheless he got he got beat, and, and he got beat because there was an impression, and I think to some to a certain extent a justified impression, that he kind of lost 
touch with the district. His the house that he owned in the district got burned down, and he never rebuilt it. So the opponent, Danny Smith, made a big thing about the fact that his address in the district was uh, there was no longer a place to live there. It was just a post office. It was just a post box. Uh, and uh, my impression of Peter is that he he definitely has not de facto lost touch with his district. He spends a lot of time there. He listens there. He does good community. He does good service there. Constituent service there. And I, I'm guessing that Scarlatos is trying to create the impression that that's not true. But but that's uh, that's my reading of of why it most often happens. I have three factors, and there, I think. Oh, well, there's one. There's one more I should mention. Not Oregon, but that is when Tom Foley, who was the Speaker of House of Representatives, yeah, which is one of the two or three, and you have to say it's one of the three most powerful elective offices in America, and maybe therefore in the world, was defeated in North eastern Washington, and it was clearly because the people had the impression that he was more concerned about being speaker than he was representing them. I have three factors that I think, and I'd like to do, and I haven't done, you know, I haven't done, compre- I haven't written a book on the subject, right? So I, I call this a hypothesis and a junior theory rather than a proven theory. Uh, but I have three factors. So, yeah, there are going to be some votes that voters don't like they go after. There might be personal stuff they can run against. But I think it comes to three factors. And one, you've, I, I just said something. I call it differently. I call it overconfidence, right? Not being aware that you might actually get beat. And I think about the uh, who was the who was the uh, slickly haired glasses wearing uh, Eric Cantor, Eric Cantor losing in the Republican primary. Right. Just thinking, I'm going to win this thing. Second. Yeah, it, and, who, and who was was caught saying, if he didn't have an opponent, he wouldn't have showed up. And and so overconfidence, I think, is one of the most most important ones. The other, it tends to be, and maybe this is maybe this is just redundancy, but a with the you know, of course, it's going to be an upstart. But it's an upstart who campaigns really hard and ends up having more of a base than people anticipate. And, and allows for that dynamic of sneaking up. And that's Alexander Ocasio-Cortez versus Joe Crowley. That is why uh, young Ryan Wyden against Bob Duncan, who had both the anti-war uh, support as well as, you know, coming out of the Vietnam War not that many years prior and had all the Great Panthers uh, voters that he had been organizing, sort of a surprising base. Uh, also, I think Eric Scarlatos is potentially an example there, right? Lots of people who are part of the Trump apparatus who really like his what he has to say, including him saying that he doesn't think that government ought to be paying for health care and goes and runs hard and has a surprising amount of juice. And then the third, and this is, I think, that the Foley example uh, illustrates this one as well, is a shifting district is a district that is a little bit different than it was. And that was certainly true in Bob Duncan's case, right? Northeast Portland had become, and it wasn't all Northeast Portland, but it had become a little more liberal. Uh, The politics of Irvington, the politics even of Alameda, the politics of Sullivan's Gulch, all the uh, the politics of those districts, those neighborhoods had changed. Uh, Alexander Ocasio-Cortez running against Joe Crowley, that district had become not only uh, more liberal, also more diverse. I think those three factors, overconfidence, a surprisingly strong challenger, which 
exploits the overconfidence and a shifting district. Those those are my three. Uh, those are my three factors that I would track. And, and the and the Duncan example there, which was I think representative of a, probably two, at least two of the three things you have cited, was that he of course had run against Wayne Morse for the Senate in. 1968 and had been defeated in the primary and then Morse was defeated in the election uh, again uh, and Morse got, got beat in the election in no small part because they didn't think Bob Packwood had a chance uh, I know that very directly because when I first heard Bob Packwood come, when he came and spoke in Umatilla County when I was running for district attorney, and I heard him, and I picked up the phone when I got back to my office and called Charlie Brooks, who was Morse's state guy, and said, you better save some of that money you're spending in the fight against Duncan because this guy, Packwood, is going to be tough. And he just scoffed at me. He said, he doesn't have any familiarity. There's no chance. That's ridiculous. And but, but anyway, I should have used I should have amplified the Packwood example when I was talking about uh, all of those uh, all of those dynamics, particularly the overconfidence and the upstart campaigner that, but, but, that but, but Packwood me, had but, talent. But the point I'm making is that the, that defeat and then the senator Senator Morse ran again in '72 and got beat, and then he ran in '74 and died. Uh, I think all of that, there was there was resentment for a lot of folks that were still holding that against Bob, what Bob Duncan had done to him in '68, and interesting, and and that uh, that that was very significant. Interesting. So and and Wyden was very closely connected to the to the senator. And, and of my factors. that I named, and it overlaps with also, I think, about what you said. And on the overconfidence, I don't think DeFazio is overconfident. Now, you can have a dynamic, kind of like when Dennis Richardson won Secretary of State, the Secretary of State's race, is that you can have sort of a a voter overconfidence. You can have a, you know, where where liberal-leaning voters and the majority of Oregon voters uh, who have elected statewide Democratic candidates are, you know, aren't paying attention that much or don't doesn't feel as urgent or they're not as worried about uh, Brad Avakian uh, winning his uh, winning his race. And so then all of a sudden, uh, Dennis Richardson creeps in and wins that race. I think it is. Uh, there is that risk. And it's like, oh, Defazio will be fine. He's been there for He wins every time. Why do I need to donate to that race? Or why do I need to knock on doors? Or why do I need to tell everybody? And then you just have a significant energy uh, disadvantage. That's another and, potential and the, dynamic. The Avakian one, though, I think would suggest that there is also occasionally, not, not all that often maybe, but at least occasionally, some single motivating factor. And I think that in his case, what he had done and made and and bragged about and made a really big big part of who he was was his going after folks who cited their religion to discriminate against potential customers uh, particularly a a baker that didn't want to bake a cake and that was very very motivating for a group of of uh, voters that otherwise might not have been paying much attention to that race. Yeah, But, Dad, I don't know if you've tried. We have talked to Karen Long before. Uh, I think uh, Jeremy Butler, they've talked, KXRW has, has talked to before. 
Uh, have you been tracking that race? It's a tough one for a Democrat to win, but it's also a tough year for Trump's political party to win, potentially. Well, the thing that I, the thing that I have noticed is that there are just there are a whole lot of ads on, in Portland television, <laughs> excuse me, which, of course, is what uh, folks in Clark County rely on for their TV. They uh, really quite scurrilous ads going after Carolyn Long, never saying who to vote for, never mentioning Herrera Butler, just against her. And, and an occasional ad for Carolyn where she comes across as the nice human being that she is. But uh, I, I know Herrera Butler is definitely not taking it for granted. And that's the difference, right? That's why. That's why I mentioned those three factors, because where it comes down to me to both of these congressional races, that I ultimately think it tips towards the incumbent because I don't think that the incumbents are overconfident. I think the professional political class is going to work in, within their campaigns to make sure that they actually have strong campaigns and running, and they are doing that. And the other is that I don't think there's been a significant to shift enough in the district that those lines historically that southwest washington i think after 2010 i think 2012 carolyn long runs again if she doesn't win in 2010 uh, i actually think that it's likely because if you drew that district if you do that district 20 times this would be just about the most republican way you could possibly draw it right in previous years it has been a previous decades it has been a swing district and now because you know it's a suburban area right it's a it's an area that performs otherwise a lot like clackamas county or you know maybe areas of washington county and it doesn't though but now the way the district is drawn i think it is hard for a democrat to win so ultimately i think that the shifting of the district is not shifting enough in those two races necessarily to defeat the incumbent Pop, we have other stuff going on. Is there other anything you want to laundry list out? Well, I, I have three factoids that I think are significant. I haven't had a factoid recently, so I've collected three of them that I would like to share. First, seventy over 70% of citizens of the United States look upon the Postal Service as a service, not a business. Congress, are you listening? Second, a study that shows that the current federal tax system produces a 70% marginal tax rate for a significant portion of the bottom quarter of, of America. That is the, the bottom quarter income because, because of the overall fact of Social Security and workers' compensation, all the rest of it, a 70% marginal tax rate. And there is a study that shows there is little, if any, relationship between rioters and Antifa, but there is a very significant relationship between rioters and anarchists. Dad, the uh, uh, couple local things that we should talk about. Oregon lawmakers granted $30 million to rural local governments to buy motels and hotels, you know, little places that were kind of struggling, to use as shelters for people displaced by the fires. But and they then, picked up, there, there, were three, there were three Republican votes for it. But then they pushed again, well, can, they were mostly in Republican districts, the, but then they voted against, and both the Democratic co-chairs of Ways and Means, both Democrats voted in favor of it, but both Elizabeth Steiner Hayward and Betsy Johnson voted against $35 million in urban areas such as Portland. 
that's basically urban area, to do the same thing for people displaced by homeless folks. I'm actually wondering if any listeners have views on that. I do have a view on the buying of hotels and motels. Go ahead. Victims of the fire are vastly more likely to vote than the homeless population of the metropolitan area. Yeah, it's interesting. I had, I should have thought about the real politic and connected those dots. I had not. Uh, the w- What I did think about was that you have this dynamic where Democrats will vote in favor of resources to support folks who are struggling around the state and occasionally get a few Republicans to do that. But you get almost no Republicans to support resources in Portland, and occasionally you'll get Democrats who aren't Portlanders who won't back that. So that's the. But but. And I think there's one other dynamic. I think I'm sure there's that, a I bunch think, other. I think there is a, a tendency, whether justified or not, is not significant, but just a fact we should recognize is that people people are very, very sympathetic towards folks who have lost their homes because they got burned out by a fire. They are less sympathetic for homeless because they often think that the homeless brought it upon themselves, which, of course, is not not true in many, many cases. But Yeah, the old idea of the deserving poor, of course. I, and I think there are yeah. a bunch of dynamics, and that's one of them. But here's why I like the idea, and, and, and we should be thinking about this because it's not just about the legislature. It's also about city council and coming up, what might be heading towards us economically, that actually finding bargains that one of the things i think that government should be doing is finding bargains because they take care of the purse right they are managing the resource of the people and that if the government can find land bargains if you can find for instance like buying a hotel and the, one of the criticisms well it's not all figured out well they were going to work with the Oregon community foundation to figure it out that buying a hotel the truth of the matter is those little hotels are almost certainly cheaper to buy than they are to build Right. And the and the challenge is absolutely. And and uh, because of because of covid and the fact that their occupancy rate must be way down, a lot of them may be looking at bankruptcy and wouldn't be able to sell themselves on the open market for for much anyway. And that's the challenge that that the, the reason there's an opportunity and the reason I think this is really smart. Right. And I haven't seen all the numbers, so I need to be a little humble. But my my initial reaction was there's a lot of there's a lot to be said for this move because you've got the you got these hoteliers who need some money. Right. They're struggling. They might not have they're not might not be able to pay their banknote, And they're a willing seller. And meanwhile, you're spending, what, one hundred fifty thousand dollars, two hundred fifty thousand dollars a unit to try to build units to uh, provide homes for people, because we know if you can get people inside, if you can get somebody on the street inside and give them a home and do housing first and then you can help them with treatment and then you can help them find a job and you can help them with clothes you can help make sure that they have a friend who they sort of have a network of support you've got a really good chance of, of uh, addressing chronic homelessness that's not like we know how to do this right we figured out how to do this and we've known how to do it for 20 years or longer and but part of the challenge is having enough housing stock. Where do you get that housing stock from if it costs that much to make? But you can buy these hotel places for cheaper than one hundred fifty thousand dollars a unit. I'll bet you it's way way cheaper. So I, uh, so I think it's a, uh, uh, I think it's potentially really interesting. It is. While we're talking, while we're talking about state and local stuff, like I have had on my list every time for the last three shows, and I haven't got to it. The the fact that there is going to be a recall election for the mayor of Lake Oswego, Dan Holliday, rather 
uh, Dan Holiday, who has, uh, and the the election is not going to be next Tuesday. It's going to be the Tuesday after that. And uh, the Republican establishment has come out in favor of him, which is perhaps significant. But that's something to watch. And if he is tossed out, then there's going to have to be another election to replace him. While while we're talking about people in with economic difficulties, uh, folks who do not have a home because of the horrendous fires, and and they really have been horrendous, Boise Cascade is talking about shutting down its mill, the mill it's had for years and years and years in Elgin. Elgin is a small community in Union County, the eastern end of the state. But if if that happens, and the the 200 plus payroll and the 200 plus payroll in a town the size of Elgin is huge. There's going to be some more people who need help. A recent poll is showing that Portlanders are in favor of a bunch of the tax measures, but not the library bond. Dad, did it surprise you to learn that of the various tax measures, and one of the most hotly contested, of course, is the Metro measure on transportation funding that has disagreement both from the right, has some challenge both from the right and the left. Is there? It was surprising to you that the one that actually is polling down, that's underwater, that's most likely to lose, is in fact a library bond. When's the last time Portland didn't vote in favor of libraries? No, that doesn't sur- that doesn't surprise me, BB, because this uh, this is not a save the library measure. This is an expand the library measure. It is to make it better and bigger. And I think there's a lot of folks figure that uh, when the economy is struggling close to the bottom of the toilet, is not a great time to pass a tax increase. And I, I am a little surprised, uh, if I hear you correctly, that the transportation, the, the metro transportation measure is not underwater because the same the same excuse for voting no would be there. It's, uh, I, I think the, uh, um, what's interesting to me about the library bond, well, one of the things interesting to me is that, is the following fact, that Portlanders are, more in favor of the number. It's a Multnomah County measure, right? So actually, Portlanders are are doing a little bit better, or, or excuse me, are supporting a little bit better. But non-Portlanders, right, which basically means East County, uh, are only supporting it like by 29%. Like they're just a significant opposition to the library measure. But the funny thing is, is where the main emphasis is going to be, where most of that money would go. Right, it is, was to go out to Gresham. It's going to build a big Gresham library. So there's, yeah. so now, like once I say that, I can imagine there being Portlanders are like, well, fine, you don't want us to buy you a library, we won't buy you a library. But it's, if you're not going to even vote for it yourself, that was used, they used to be the dynamic in my old district, uh, and it used to drive Vera Katz nuts. That, uh, that very often the uh, votes to invest in public services would go down, but then there weren't enough public services in East Portland. It's been a long-lasting dynamic, and that dynamic has shifted now east a little bit. Any other, and by the way, 503-233-9729, 503-233-9729. We just did cross the $42,000 Threshold, thank you so much. Would be sure wonderful to get to 42.5 if you became a member. If we got three more members, we could get close to that. And that just means you need to call 503 233 9729. 503 233 X ray. 503 233 9729. 
And, Dad, what should they do? Give us your money. That's a good reminder. All right, Dad, we've got another local story, and that is Turner, Oregon. Pop, you've been watching the World Series. This is not a sports show, but you and I both partake. Tampa Bay West. Turner, Oregon has their favorite son playing for the Tampa Bay Rays. It's not the Devil Rays anymore. Did they get the Devil out of there? Was it was it the Christians that got the Devil out of Devil Rays? I don't know if it was the Devil Rays or the Manta Rays, but 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 a a Manta is still the the symbol for the team. It's uh, uh yeah they it was back in 2007 I guess they dropped the Devil. It was the Devil Rays, and I don't know who got them to take the Devil out. But it might have been the devil, because the devil's best trick is to make you think the devil doesn't exist. I learned that in a movie. Now, so you, but you're rooting for the Dodgers, of course. We've discussed that. Yes. Dad, any other any other story you want to make sure yes, we get to before we talk to our good well, friend Tim? We're talking about money and local. The, a study for the Frog Ferry, for folks who are not familiar with the Frog Ferry, that is a proposal to have a ferry boat that runs down the Willamette River from Vancouver into downtown Portland as a public transportation that needs to get started 40 million bucks up front of public money and then it would need about 2.6 million a year to serve about 3,000 passengers per day that they predict it would carry. I'm I'm skeptical about the 3,000 but that would mean of course that that uh, there's going to have to be a subsidy of somewhere maybe close to three bucks or more for every passenger, but uh, but my problem with the Frog Ferry is it is one more incentive for people to live in Clark County and work in Oregon so that they can avoid Oregon taxes and shop in Oregon and and not have any responsibility and not vote in Oregon. But anyway, but there, there is another one that I want because it inspires me to for an issue that I think is important. The proud boy, Alan Swinney, who was indicted in September and arrested in September on 12 counts of bad conduct, had his bail set for a fi- at 540000 bucks, And the, his lawyer went in and asked for a reduction of bail because he'd never be able to get out. And the judge said no because... He was, the judge thought he was risk, maybe a flight risk. But it, it causes me to ask, to, to confess that I have grave reservations about the big, big move to do away with cash bail. Because if you do away with cash bail, folks, believe it or not, there are going to be a substantial increase in the number of folks who do not show up for their next court appearance. And, and one classic example of that was when your kid brother was 11 years old and he was on uh, he was on a bus downtown and a couple of kids strong-armed him and stole his Swatch watch. And I thought, well, you know, those kids being on the bus, I bet they went were going downtown. Let's let's just go down. So I went downtown with him to Pioneer Square, and sure enough, we found the two boys, and they both took off running. And I chased. I was only chased one of them, but caught him, and he was arrested, and he was arraigned, 
and there was no cash bail. They just said he was put in, in custody of his grandmother. And guess who never showed up again? You. No, probably him. It was not me. Yeah. I, I even went to that when when I learned that he had not showed up. I went to the place that was listed supposedly as grandmother's house, and there was nobody living there. Well, Dad, why don't we talk to Tim Markroft, Chief International Correspondent, former Development Director of X-Ray FM. How you doing, my friend, Tim? 503 X-Ray. Nice. Just a little bit of French delay. That's just what that, I don't mean. I'm not. That's not a French laziness joke. That's a that's a you know phone signal time transfer pause joke. Uh, a joke might give it too much credit. How you doing, my friend? I'm good. How are you? Do you want to share any personal news? I I want to make sure. Oh, that he, I want to make sure. Dad, that, that, that was a question for Tim. I know, but I want to make sure that he talks about what's going on. The question Iowa I asked is really important. Macron. I, I, Tim, do you want to share any personal news? Uh, you know, I'm uh, I'm happy to be here talking to you, lovely folks, during this fun drive. It's true that I'm going through some health stuff right now that I'm trying to figure out. Nothing uh, dramatic or urgent, but uh, you know, the the body does what it does, and uh, we'll. Uh, Are we'll you comfortable talking about that? Because this is our only chance. Like. This is our chance to talk, and you're like family to me, and that goes for not only me but other members of the X-ray community. And if you don't want to talk about it, we don't have to talk about it. But if you want to talk about it, I'd even like to talk about it. Hey, we can we can talk. Yeah, I mean, we, <laughs> you and I have known each other for a while, and I've known the X-ray folks for a while. So yeah, I'm. Uh, I just got back from a little tiny, like two day stint in the hospital because they are trying to diagnose why I have some inflammation in uh, my optic nerve and other parts of my central nervous system. And the best bet that this really high-quality hospital and neurological center has uh, over here in France is probably some form of multiple sclerosis that I'm going to be dealing with uh, to a greater or lesser degree over the very long term, because that's what chronic illness is. So this is all new um, for me. I'm still figuring out <laughs> how the hell I'm going to deal with it, uh, sort of personally, emotionally, and logistically. Um, but, you know, good news. I'm in a good country to, to have this work out. I pay for the very fancy supplemental insurance uh, that I get that covers the 20% of medical costs that the national insurance program generally doesn't. I'm going to pay about oh, 55 euros a month or something. And so my total, that's going to be my total cost for taking care of this over the long term, I think is 55 euros a month, whereas I could easily be paying, you know, 10 or 100 times that in the U.S. And uh, the quality of care I'm getting is good. The people are uh, very attentive and I've gotten uh, quick testing. So it's scary. Um, it's one of those things that that you are never free of. It's uh, it's a lifelong thing that generally has a downhill slope to it. Of course, life does for everybody, so that's just how it is. Um, but it is, uh, it, it, I am in a good position to be taking care of it, and theoretically, at least this is what the doctors tell me, 
the newer drugs that are on the market over the last 20 years have been um, pretty effective at slowing or even halting the degradation of the brain and spinal cord system linked with this disorder. And, uh, well, I don't yet have a solid diagnosis, but if it is that, uh, then I am going to be grateful for those discoveries and grateful for future ones uh, so as to continue living as close to the life I imagined for myself as possible, which good money is on me being able to do. Uh, Tim, man, but yeah, I, that's what I'm going through right I, now. I, I, and, and, you know, we don't we don't have to dwell on this. You don't want to. And I know there's there's things happening around the world. But I just want you to know that my whole family loves you, that the X-ray community loves you, that X-ray would not be what it is. But for you, I am I'm, sorry. Mm. Yeah, no, I'm feeling it, too. I'm sorry, my friend. You're going through that. That's no good. That's no good. Sorry, folks, don't mean to bring down your morning. Don't mean to bring down your morning, but be clear. This institution took a lot to start putting it together. And, and the first thing that we were engaged with that put it on the map was a Kickstarter that some of you supported. And that Kickstarter was led by the guy on the telephone right now, Tim Markroft. That gave the sort of credibility. It sort of put X-Ray on the map, gave it the credibility to do anything. It gave it the money to actually get on air. And it gave the marketing thrust so that people would end up voting for it in things like online polls. And but for that, and but for this guy on the telephone, there ain't no X-ray. Just to be clear, All right. and the uh, and 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 it probably wouldn't even have got its eight-watt signal up because it, that only happened within days of the uh, within days of the deadline. Just just a few days before the deadline. And if it hadn't been for this guy's effort. Dad and I wouldn't have been taking your time in the morning. So you either have him to blame or thank. Uh, and, and, and so and, it and reminds so me, it reminds me right now of how amazingly fortunate KXRY has to have volunteers like like Tim, volunteers who just because they believe in quality radio and and care for the Portland metropolitan area and for the world give us their time as he is doing right when when what's on his plate right now has to be just really really scary what can we do man other than maybe not other than change the subject Anything, anything you need? <laughs> we, you know, like if we had, if we had single payer health care in the United States, you could come here and get and get care. I'm glad you're in a place where you can get care without going bankrupt. But anything we can do to send you love, my friend? You know, uh, I I thank you for the, the the kind words and the acknowledgement, and I want to acknowledge, of course, that I wouldn't be where I am without X-ray. Like, I learned so much in the crucible of building that uh, organization with you and with all of the other volunteers. Um, and I'm, I'm very grateful for you being on the air and for, uh, to feel like I, ha I can come back to something um, week after week, month after month, and say, uh, I, I made a mark on the world and on, uh, on a city that I love. And uh, that means a lot, especially when I'm looking forward to a future where uh, hopefully I will be able to do all of the things that I thought, but maybe not. And so 
it makes you look at the past in a different way. And uh, X-ray and the involvement in it is one of the things I'm proudest of. So thank you for thank you for being a part of that. Um, uh, well, I guess we could talk about. Um, depressing news out of France if you want to. Yeah, let's talk about what's happening. Let's talk about some de- other uh, next story, depressing news out of France. Should we just call the segment this? Depressing news from France. Dun, dun, dun. Especially what's going on with between Macron and Erdogan. Well, uh, the Macron and Erdogan situation is a result of tensions and standoffs in the Aegean Sea that I discussed a few weeks ago, I think it, it's basically about who has the rights to search for oil and drill it up in what places around the island of Cyprus, because there is a um, Turkish-acknowledged semi-independent Cypriot state uh, that claims some portion of uh, the Aegean Sea as its territorial drilling waters, and uh, Turkey sent out some ships to to drill in some of these contested waters, and then France was going to send out some warships, and there was the Germans trying to play the, the middle ground between them. But mostly it's been a war of words between Erdogan and Macron. And the specifically depressing news out of France is that, uh, I believe it was on October 16th, a, um, a history professor named Samuel Paty, uh, was killed uh, in front of his middle school by an 18-year-old um, uh, Russian Chechenian. Um, I think he would probably describe himself as a jihadist who had been very inflamed by stories of this history professor um, displaying caricatures of Prophet Muhammad. Uh, in his class on free speech and engagement in civil discourse. Now, this requires a little bit of context because in France, uh, there is this magazine called Charlie Hebdo, which is a satirical magazine that is uh, like, I don't know, I would call it like R. Crumb uh, or old, other old like 60s and 70s dirty anti um Establishment anti-political cartoon stuff. So uh, generally, you know, not uh, how to say, not high class, high taste stuff, but um, often solid commentary on uh, the nature of politics in the world, along with caricatures of uh, the Pope doing um, obscene sexual acts with various political figures, for example. They have been known to publish uh, caricatures of the Prophet Muhammad, which some listeners may know is uh, verboten, uh, to choose a German term, um, in most expressions of Islamic faith. And in France, it's a particular source of tension, um, especially after, in 2015, a group of armed men decided to get together and attack the um, the offices of Charlie Hebdo as well as several other places in the city of uh, Paris. And um, this has sort of touched off uh, a series of back and forths where various people will publish or display a character of the character of the Prophet Muhammad and then there will sometimes be an attack 
the results from this that are more or less well planned and have more or less um, victims that come out of them. Uh, but this question of what does respect for the new for the religious neutrality of public space? What does the respect for different cultures mean? What does uh, the defense of an at all costs um, free speech attachment mean? These debates are getting hotter and harder and much more difficult to manage in France as many politicians are reacting to this most recent attack um, with broader and broader sanctions against uh, members of the Islamic community that may or may not be have been directly involved in this particular affair or who are suspected of being involved in terrorist networks and there are plenty uh, that stretch from various parts of Europe to Syria uh, but are seemingly doing it in a way so as to signal their strength against what's called what they call here in France political Islam or separatism or whatever the term of the day they choose to use is um, and they're clearly trying to set this up as a split, as a conflict, as a way to um, demonstrate their strength against what is, I hope not, but more likely probably going to become some sort of generalized immigrant other. And so um, we're, we're, seeing, we're seeing the results of some of these terrorist attacks being the political system in France taking what I would tend to think of as the bad path and so hopefully we can get out of this spiral of madness um here's hoping well dad you had international do you want to offer any comment on that or do you have another international story well, I, you wanted to plug noticed, before i just we... noticed that that erdogan has has told uh, macron that he has some sort of mental problem and macron has pulled the french ambassador out of ankara and those are those are the kinds of things that historically can lead to serious serious conflict. I'm wondering, I'm wondering, Tim, are you familiar with what's with the the suit that the EU is filing against the UK over alleged violations of the Good Friday Pact regarding the relationship between North and North Ireland and Ireland? What's happening with I was not aware there was a suit, but I did know that in a recent act um, before Parliament, um, Boris Johnson proposed to basically scrap a portion of what's called the political agreement between the UK and the EU that would have... It was blurry and was never really well done, uh, but the agreement that they sort of sketched out was uh, how to do an Irish border without doing a real solid Irish border, and uh, Boris Johnson just said, actually, you know what, if it means we ha Northern Ireland has to be under any kind of EU sovereignty in terms of its customs and um, labor and product standards, then we're going to hold open the option to simply uh, negate it after the fact, which is, of course, the same thing as saying we never made this agreement in the first place. So, like, I don't get it. I There's so much posturing uh, going on from the UK um, political establishment that I think they've already decided that it's no deal and they're just trying to confuse the issue so that they don't get thrown out of Parliament in the meantime. 
Well, I want to say I love you both. Thank you guys both for being with us. Do I get to do my straw? Let's my do the club. straw. Say, take care, Tim. Let's do a straw in the wind, and then we'll go straight to Tom. Tim, stay well. Straw in the wind. A straw At Oregon State wind. University, Starship Technologies has been contracted to start delivering food to both staff and students by drone. Oh, by robot. By a robot is going to give the food rather than live people having to do it. And there is a straw in the wind. 503-233-X-Ray, 503-233-9729 is the pledge line. Dad, we did it again. We did indeed, and we'll be back on Thursday. Love you, lad. Love you, Pop.